This is American Real, where we aim to inspire, empower, and enlighten you through the stories of our guests. Here's your host, Roger Brooks. You know, I am kind of a maverick and I work with startups that think non-traditionally and outside the box and they'll come to me with a specific problem that they think that they need addressed. And the more I ask discovery questions and dive into where they're at in their business, the more I learned that the problem that they came to me with is not the actual problem. And the two problems that I see them struggle with the most is marketing and their leadership ability to guide their team and get them engaged. I realized after owning many businesses and not using the wisdom of others that every good athlete has a coach, multiple coaches as a matter of fact, and uh, ended up when I was starting over and had zero income to spend, I spent about half of my income that year on my first coach. And that was the pivotal point in my business, along with one other point in time that I can identify where I would not be where I was today if I did not sacrifice and make that decision to invest in a coach. There's also an intrinsic factor of giving first and serving others. And when we do that, the returns come back to us tenfold. And uh, so I think that philosophically and morally, it's important to give back first. Let me guess, you're an entrepreneur looking for ways to grow your business online. And you've probably tried everything to grow your business, including social media, SEO, even paid ads, only to find out that nothing truly works. So what if I told you that writing a book that goes on to become a bestseller is the magic wand, and that you can do it in as little as 30 days, two weeks, or even over a weekend in some cases, without spending more than 10 minutes a day. Would you be interested? My name is Roger Brooks, and I'm the founder and host of American Real TV, where I interview world-class guests to empower others through the essence of story. But I didn't get here overnight, and my mission certainly doesn't end here. Ever since I was a little boy, it's been my dream to empower others through the craft of writing and storytelling. And throughout my life, I came across several mentors who pushed me toward my passion for writing books and helping others to do the same. There is no greater joy than to be working with aspiring authors and to help them establish true credibility within their industry by writing and publishing their first book, which I'm proud to say have all gone on to become bestsellers. Now, you're seeing this video because I just opened enrollment for my new book writing program, where I promise to take you from page one to published in 90 days or less. I will be personally working with you to overcome the same fears and obstacles 
that kept me from pursuing my dreams all of those years. Simply click on the link below to see how I could help you become a first-time best-selling author. I look forward to seeing you on the inside. This is American Real. I am Roger Brooks. My guest today is Royce Gomez King. You are the CEO of Your Startup Coach. Royce, welcome to the show. Thank you, Roger. I appreciate you inviting me. Absolutely. And we connected on LinkedIn, as so many people are doing today. You're a fellow author that caught my attention. I love talking to authors. But not only are you a fellow author, but you're in a bit of a unique situation in that you release two books at once. I'll scale up your profits and level up. Do you mind, Royce, if we could start there and talk about, first of all, the experience of why you released two books at one time, and then let's talk a little bit about the books themselves. Sure. Uh, you know, I am kind of a maverick, and I work with startups that think non-traditionally and outside the box, and so I had been in the process of writing two books and decided that they could be released at the same time because I have a tribe that that will support me and buy it and they're a fan club. And so I didn't care if I made bestseller list and could market to the larger audience. I just wanted to share my books and get them out there. Um, you know, I work with startup founders and the two problems that I see them struggle with the most is marketing and their leadership ability to guide their team and get them engaged. And that's what these two books address. Fantastic. And obviously we don't have a ton of time to go into the depth of that. But Royce, if you don't mind, give us an example of when you're first meeting with a new company or a new CEO that, that you're working with or a startup, what are some of the things you will talk about in your, say, in your first meeting? Our first meeting typically lasts longer than our subsequent meetings because they'll come to me with a specific problem that they think that they need addressed. And the more I ask discovery questions and dive into where they're at in their business, the more I learned that the problem that they came to me with is not the actual problem. And so I ask a lot of questions and take a lot of notes and identify some other needs that they may have that could be the root of the problem that they came to me about. And uh, marketing is typically one problem that they come to me for. The Small Business Development Center, I believe, has done research on the fact that marketing can take a small business owner up to 33 hours a week. Well, if we're only working 40 or 50, that's the majority of our week. And so scale up your profits. The secret to online marketing is something that they can give to their team and use to help them market online more effectively without spending their valuable coaching hours addressing it. And it's typically not the root problem anyway. For example, sometimes we can find that they're not speaking their ideal client's language or that they don't even know who their ideal client is and they're taking on non-ideal clients and getting frustrated or undervaluing their offerings. 
So we discover problems like that in the initial meeting. I see. And how important is, say, the systems that they put in place so that they could focus on more important items? I know today, especially with all the new technology that we have and the you know, inundation of, of messages and emails and LinkedIn requests, how, how important is setting up those systems from the beginning for a startup? Oh, extremely important. I can give you two examples from actual clients. One was at about 350,000 in revenue and was doing quite well in sales, but had no system in place to drip campaign his ideal client. And so he was attracting some one-off sales but not expanding into the larger contracts that he could have and that he had hoped to have with his ideal client. Another client was at about 200,000 a year after 18 months in business and doing quite well. Uh, he considered he was successful, but what we found is because of a lack of systems in place, he was not following through on his sales cycles. So he was not closing deals that he initiated conversations on. And that left him not only lower in revenue than he could have been, but projecting a non-professional image with those clients that never heard back from him. Wow, that's a great point, Royce. And that, you know, as you're talking about that example, it makes me think of um, an industry that I think we're, we're all familiar with having issues on getting calls back and that's the contracting industry. You know, if you need something, a repair done at your home or plumbing work or whatever it may be, I don't know if it's, you know, I, I talked to a fair amount of people about this, but it seems like it's just one of those industries where the, the follow through is just, you know, atrocious. Is that, is that your understanding as well? And how do you help companies like that? Yeah, you see me smiling because we've tried to get someone out to give us the quote on the deck and we've asked six or eight people oh yeah i do decks i'd be happy to come out you never hear from them i've had a couple measure things up and then not get back to me with a quote and so it is a constant problem i don't deal a lot with contractors or small localized businesses because I specialize with startups. And so those are companies that have the ability to scale quickly and um, reach out further than their local community. Um, so I don't address that problem, but I've personally experienced it several times. DEC is just my latest experience with local contractors that don't follow up and they're losing so much business because of that. So can, you know, just for the listener out there that may be a contractor or may know of a contractor, maybe in their family, can you give us one tip for them, something that they could do that may help them in their follow through? Yeah, when you are at the customer's location, sizing up that deck and you say you're going to follow up within three days with a quote, take out your cell phone and put it in your calendar right then and there. So it reminds you to follow up because really I could call that contractor and say, Hey, you promised me a quote 
that if I have to chase you down to get a quote, I don't have much confidence in the job that you would do once you're building my deck. So I just leave them go and they have self-identified as not the right contractor. Fantastic. Thanks for that. And I'm sure our listeners will appreciate that as well. <laughs> so, or we'll have a lot of calls from unhappy contractors. <laughs> <that's right. laughs> but it does seem to be a problem all over all over the country, at least here in the US. So let's can we talk a little bit about your backstory? What was sure. your upbringing like? And then kind of lead us into how did you get started in coaching? All right. Well, I grew up in a small Midwestern town from a single mother, and I had two insatiable desires from the time I can remember. One was to travel, and one was to own my own business. Neither of those desires were from my, my community and my environment that I grew up in because I lived in the town where people basically were born and died in the same town. They had no desire to travel. Uh, their idea of a vacation was a drive two or three hours away for the weekend. And the, they were also uh, union workers for the most part. And I could not see myself in either of those positions. So I've had those two desires from very early on. I started my first business in high school. Uh, selling candy during pep rallies and uh, moved away right after high school to go to college and never went back. And um, I have been a serial entrepreneur since my college days. And um, I've always been willing to take the risk. I have failed and fallen flat on my face and had to start from ground zero twice. And it was during those times that my family, because of their love for me, would say, Royce, come back home. Come on, we'll get you a job at the factory or I've got some connections for you. And I would have rather been dead broke starting over than to have done that. And uh, so that's a little of my backstory. Can, before we transition, do you mind giving sure. us uh, a little insight uh, about your mom? and what role she played uh, in, in you becoming so, I guess, independent and not afraid to go after your dreams as being an entrepreneur, because it's not easy, as we all know, that, that are in, in the business of being an entrepreneur. And then maybe if you could share one story about her that, that stands out from, from your uh, younger years. Okay. Yeah, my mom uh, did not get the credit that she deserved when she was alive. I lost her a few years ago, unfortunately. And I can tell you that today, looking back and appreciating her qualities, I saw her independent spirit. She was a single mom before that was accepted or the norm. And she worked really hard to provide for us. Um, she also was independent in the fact that she did what was traditionally known as male roles. You know, you, you would find her uh, installing a new toilet in our house before you would find her cooking meals. And so she just did not have that norm of the traditional roles. And, and she just did whatever it took to do what needed to be done for her two young children. 
and uh, worked in the factory for a number of years, although she was incredibly intelligent and taught school and uh, probably should have stayed on that course because she had a lot of value and valued education and great um, English skills and the importance of our history and how it affects our future. And then the story that I can share is not from my younger years, if I can stray from your actual question, Roger, but a special story that I can remember my mom is a couple of years before she died, I had the chance to travel um, for 31 weeks back in 2015. And I started my journey in the US and then went to Europe later on that year. And uh, my mom and I had not had much time to spend together over the past several years because I was busy raising kids and she was doing her thing. And so we just didn't have a, a length of time to really connect. And so I told her, mom, I'm going to Nashville. Uh, why don't you drive down and meet me? It's about halfway for the both of us. And I'd love to just have you with me for a bit. So she and I spent the month in Nashville and we just had the best time. Um, we ended up in line at the Tin Pan Festival, which is a well-known, nationally renowned songwriters festival, which I was unaware of at that time. And we were standing in this sold out line, one of the last to get in. And this gentleman came over and saw my mom with her cane in hand and said, ma'am, you can't stand all night. Come on, let me take you a table. And we ended up at the front row at the VIP table with all the producers that were top in the industry, the news uh, media and everything. And my mom just thought that that was the best night. And we had a great time just hanging out in Nashville and getting to really connect with each other. Wow, that's a great story. I'm so glad you shared that. And you know, oftentimes on these podcasts, we don't hear from people, you know, about their parents. And and, it, and I always love to hear a story or two. So thank you for sharing that. I appreciate that. My very pleasure. Much. So let's, let's now talk about, because I believe you were going to lead us into how you became a coach. <laughs> yeah. Um, Again, being a maverick and an entrepreneur from early on, I did not follow the traditional route for much of anything in my life. And um, so, as I said, I was a serial business person and had owned a dozen businesses by 2012. Some successful, some failed, um, some for a short season, like I'd be into a business for six months and realize I didn't do my due diligence and it wasn't worth my time to invest in some for 10 years. Um, and I realized after owning many businesses and not using the wisdom of others that every good athlete has a coach, multiple coaches as a matter of fact. When you study someone like Tiger Woods, who was at the top of his golf game for years, he had a short game coach, a long game coach, a mindset coach, a stance coach, uh, just several coaches that would focus on one aspect of his business. And I realized that as a professional business owner, 
that I too had to value what a coach brings to the table and uh, ended up when I was starting over and had zero income to spend. I spent about half of my income that year on my first coach and that was the pivotal point in my business along with one other point in time that I can identify where I would not be where I was today if I did not sacrifice and make that decision to invest in a coach. And I began coaching for free. I was mentoring MBA students and people that wanted to apply for the Clinton Global Initiative University and were attending startup weekends in our communities. And, um, I kept being told I was a very gifted business coach. And that's how I got started, really. It was accidental through hundreds of hours of mentoring hundreds of companies. And uh, suddenly I created a coaching program and it has continued to grow. Last year it actually tripled in the midst of a move and a marriage. And I just uh, was not only grateful, you know, I'm a person of faith, so I was grateful to God that he made that happened through a lot of transition, but I'm continually grateful for the clients that I get to work with. That's so wonderful. And you said many, many important things in that right now. One of the things that struck me is you said you did some coaching for free. Can you please expand on that a little bit and talk about the importance in any career of being able to put yourself out there and offering to do work for free? Because many people are not willing to do it. They're not willing to, you know, a lot of that is to develop your own training. And when you do things for free, it, it actually helps, you know, build yourself, your confidence. But I'd love to hear your take on that. Oh, Roger, I couldn't agree more with your perspective. It does build your skill set and your confidence. But there's also an intrinsic factor of giving first and serving others. And when we do that, the returns come back to us tenfold. And uh, so I think that philosophically and morally, it's important to give back first, but it definitely helps with our confidence and our skill set. And uh, again, I did not believe that I could be a good coach. And everybody and their mother was some kind of coach when you go to a networking event at that point in my career. And you know, I'd get someone saying, I'm a life coach, I'm a vision coach, I'm a this coach, I'm a that coach. And I was like, you can't all be coaches. Um, so I resisted that term for a long time as well. So now, obviously, you're okay with it. Um, it, it seems like you put your unique spin on your startup coach. Very, you know, niche as far as the, the, the target market that you're going after. You said you tripled your business last year. Congratulations. That's phenomenal. Thank you. And I'm sure, you know, if I was just to ask you, I'm sure, you know, if I was asking you what contributed to that, you would say many things. Um, I'm sure a lot of things led up to that. But if you could put your finger on maybe one or two strategic things that you did to make that happen, to pass that on here, I think that would be wonderful. Perfect. Yeah, a couple of years ago, I produced a video and it was just a webcam video, not a professional production, but 
it was on how to effectively use LinkedIn because LinkedIn has been key to building my business. And during your introduction of this show, you said that we met on LinkedIn. And, um, you know, we've moved so much away from the the face-to-face uh, -face networking in our local communities to being a global economy and connecting online so much more today. But the same principles hold true, whether you're networking online or in person in your local community. And that's the fact that you have to build relationships. And I will spend time every single week doing what I call virtual coffee reaching out to you on LinkedIn, Roger, and saying, you know, we have some commonalities or we may be able to refer business back and forth because of what I'm seeing in your profile. Would you mind doing a 30-minute virtual coffee with me? If you say yes, I'll send you my calendar link and my Zoom link and we'll hop on and get to know each other because we don't refer business to people that we don't know or trust. And so having that virtual coffee time is so important to know if you're a good fit or if it's just a great conversation and you've made a new friend. I love that, Royce. And look, I mean, the reality is that's how we connected, right? But it was a reverse. I actually right? reached out to you. I was trying to connect with <laughs> fellow authors. I asked you for yeah. a virtual coffee exactly that way. And we got on for 20 minutes and we, we really... I thought had a wonderful conversation that led to this interview. And for others out there that are not doing this, I mean, this, this is a prime example, right? Of, of exactly what you just explained, how you, a portion of how you grew your business last year. And now you and I, we haven't even talked about it, but I know just instinctively that we will likely become friends and then be able to refer each other business, or you will definitely be on my radar list. If I know of a new startup, it needs a coach, for example. So I'm really glad you talked about that um, as, as one of the ways that, that you grew your business last year. Yeah, and I'm glad that you reached out and you, you know the value of networking and building relationships through online platforms too, so thank you. Sure, and while we're on that topic of LinkedIn, you have a nice audience that you've built strategically and if you were to say something to them as an audience, what would you like to say? What would you tell them? Reach out and connect without um, selling. I've had four people this week reach out and try to sell me a canned coaching program or um, the opportunity to write on Forbes and while those might be great opportunities for me based on my profile, the important thing is that we connect as people first. And so just reach out and do those virtual coffees. If you don't have time for a virtual coffee, share a little bit about yourself or a link to an article that could be helpful to me or something else other than a sales pitch. And again, really great advice. Uh, we all see this all the time. I'm curious, when you get those requests, do you respond or not? Sometimes I do. Um, some have been totally off. Like I've had one person message me three times on 
please look at this link. We can show you how to expand your dental practice. Well, obviously they didn't read my profile because I'm not the one you want working on any of your medical needs. <laughs> so I'm not sure why they're sending me that other than they're just spamming and not reading anyone's profile. So those I don't respond to. The others I have responded to and like the guy that said, I can get you on Forbes. I said, you know, I've been approached several times and I'm not interested in paying to be on Forbes. I work with a lot of media outlets and get published regularly without paying for it because I'm seen as an expert in what I do. So thanks anyway for the offer. No, and good advice for even uh, salespeople out there, especially young salespeople that may not have all the experience to be able to know some of these tools. So that's why I love these conversations is that I'm sure people pay a handy penny for an hour of your time or 45 minutes of your time. So honestly, we, I, I really appreciate you sharing some of your tips that have helped make you successful. So thanks for that. Well, you're highly accomplished in your own right, Roger. So the respect is mutual. I appreciate that. So let's move on uh, a little bit deeper into your work. What uh, would be the number one piece of advice you give to new entrepreneurs? And then after that, if you could talk about some of the biggest mistakes they make. Okay. The number one piece of advice, as I alluded to before, is get a coach. You know, I built 12 businesses without a coach and I probably would not have been starting over if I had had the wisdom of someone that could see my blind spots. The biggest mistakes I see entrepreneur, entrepreneurs make is number one, trying to wear all the hats that they need to wear. And they're not good at it. And some of those hats can get you in trouble. Um, like I hired out when I had a storefront location and employees I hired out my bookkeeping and my accounting to my accountant right away. I was not going to take that on, even though I was told by friends, oh, you can do payroll. It's so easy. We have software to do payroll. You know, when you make those financial mistakes or you don't file your forms on time, it can cost you a bundle. And so hire out those things that you are not good at. And I know that every entrepreneur's First objection to that is I don't have the money to hire, hire it out. And I know I felt that way too before. However, I can tell you it will cost you either in time and mistakes doing the trial and error method or in money to get someone that knows what they're doing. And that's the biggest mistake that I see entrepreneurs make. The other is not aligning their message with their ideal customer. Uh, the, the business I alluded to before that has 350,000 in revenue, he's doing really well because it's an online business with very little overhead, but he was not speaking to his ideal customer, which is the school district that needs to um, hear the words, you know, standardized testing, or um, graduation rate or those other things that are KPIs for them. There was no language in his messaging around that. And so often we can miss that. 
And again, that's what a coach can help you see is, is there an alignment between your ideal customer, your messaging and your sales channels? Love it. Um, and of course, a lot of things in life uh, are, are, is timing, right? So um, not only the right time, but actually being ready for a coach. So for people that have not had a coach, do you agree with that? Or would you say now is the right time? And I guess my point is, that I would you, always do, do, I'm sorry, do, do, you, do you run into people or, or have a potential new client where you just know they're not quite ready yet? Yes. My personal opinion is it's always the right time because again, you're going to spend a lot of time on trial and error and waste the money you would have spent investing in a coach. And notice I used two different words there, waste versus invest, right? Spend versus invest. There is a difference. However, you're absolutely right. Some people have to be ready. And I have actually turned away clients. About six months ago, I turned away a $3,500 contract because I said, you're not the right client for me. Um, you're not trying to accomplish the goals I can help you accomplish. And I know as a coach, sometimes, especially if your business is just getting going, that you think, I can't afford to turn away that kind of money. I know I have $15,000 coaching packages. I don't want to turn away $15,000 either. However, if they're not ready for a coach or they're trying to accomplish goals different than what you can help them with, you are going to have a very unsatisfied customer that's going to leave your coaching program unhappy and not give you referrals. And you're going to be frustrated trying to align with them every single coaching session. So if they are not ready or they're not the type of client, it is best to turn them away. Yeah, no, and that's what I figured you would say. And, and I, um, I've experienced that uh, my, myself as well. And um, just have observed that sometimes people just aren't ready and it's not always the best fit. So it's better to walk away. Mm -hmm. Royce, let's talk about mindset. Mindset as a coach and also mindset as a uh, someone who's in startup mode. How important is it for people to be aware and present day to day? Mm, so important. Um, mindset is probably the number one barrier to your success. And I don't think that we realize it. You know, I told you I came from a single parent household and those belief systems are instilled in us at a very young age. And I was working with a coaching client a couple of weeks ago that was having mindset issues. And, you know, I'm a victim. I've had a rough childhood. I've had a bad background. I have no money. Um, you know, we can look at people that stay there their entire life, or we can look at people like Rudy Rudiger, who a movie was made after Oprah that grew up in the inner city of Chicago in the midst of drugs and 
domestic violence and everything, we can look at people like that that said, I don't own that identity. I need to get out of it. And so that's part of being aware that you have the mindset. The second one that you focused on was being present. And sometimes that's hard for entrepreneurs. Sometimes it's hard for me. You know, I try to be present, but entrepreneurs' minds are going in a thousand different directions at once. And it can be hard to really stay present. So try not to multitask. Try not to focus on your grocery list or your uh, weekend plans or whatever, but really be in the moment. Um, there's a quote, and I'm going to butcher it and not say it verbatim, but something about you know, the present is a present to us, and we only get that present one time. And if we are not present and aware of what's going on with us, we can end up blowing the opportunity. So that is key, Roger. Wow. Well, I love that quote. And Royce, I'm, I'm just, I'm, you know, I try to sit back and put myself in the place of the listener, you know, while they're, they're listening to this as well and think about the, the questions they might be thinking and, and whatnot. But I just have to say, you are dropping a lot of great, as I call it, gold on us today, which is awesome. And I'm, and I'm so appreciative of that. Um, the mindset piece is, I feel as well, is the most important piece. If you don't have that, it's really hard to move forward in any role in, in life. So the sooner people could figure that out, and, and as you said, I'm in the same boat, it's a daily practice. This is not something that we ever master. You know, I think no, it's not. But there are tools. There are tools, as we talked about earlier. And uh, one of the tools that my coach has taught me uh, Dave Meltzer. I don't know if you're familiar with Dave. Uh, he's a wonderful coach. He taught me to become a student of your calendar. And I didn't understand that at first. <clears throat> what does that mean? Student of your calendar. Um, it sounds simple. It sounds, I guess, uh, you know, pretty straightforward. But until you actually get into it, it, it actually took me about three months to figure it out. And, and I, I would like to get your thoughts on this, but for me, my days now are pretty much pre-planned start to finish. And I have my hours slotted for specific things. Now, of course, things come up as life happens. But for the most part, you know, I'd say 90% of my days are really strategic uh, to this, you know, calendar, becoming a student of my calendar. Is that something you live by? And you kind of touched on it when you talked about the contractor putting that little note in his calendar. <laughs> is this something you live by and try to help your, your uh, clients with as well? It is. I've actually opened up my calendar uh, to my executive clients and showed them, look, I even have take out the trash on Wednesday morning in my calendar because <laughs> why? The trash man comes by on Wednesday morning and I am so busy building my business. I would forget the trash man if it was not my calendar. I have my newsletter scheduled out uh, twice a month on my calendar. Um, I live and die by my calendar. And like you said, sometimes things change and sometimes you get busy, but you have to schedule things and be very strategic. I have networking on LinkedIn in my calendar every single week. Uh, because that's a priority to connect with people like you and continue the growth of my business. 
Now, the one thing that I will say about your calendar that I also teach is if you are going to put something in there and then not do it, let's say that LinkedIn, you know, three weeks goes by and I don't network on LinkedIn, take it out of your calendar because subconsciously you lose power around that and you start subconsciously thinking to yourself, you know, I'm not worthy. I'm not keeping my word to myself. You know, when LinkedIn pops up next week, I'm not going to do it anyway. And you, you really do lose momentum and self-worth. Thanks for that. And Royce, what would you say was the biggest turning point in your business career? The biggest turning point in my business has to do with mindset, which was your previous question. And uh, I stepped out of my comfort zone and went on that 31 week journey traveling in 2015, as I had mentioned earlier. And the reason it was the turning point is that it got me out of my comfort zone and it had me constantly looking for opportunity. You know, as I would travel and meet new people, I had no idea what to expect or who they were or what they did, what they could offer. So I truly had to do active listening and be present and in the moment in that conversation. And through that, opportunities kept opening for me. Uh, I was in a social enterprise sector meeting one day and from that meeting it turned out because i was listening to this gal that she invited me to cover a story in costa rica on their mission and um, so i had a one-week vacation to costa rica because i was willing to cover a story and that's only one example but doors kept opening again and again like that because i was present and actively listening and open to opportunity that's wonderful. And, and also it brings me, you know, to the, the whole networking thing of you have to put yourself out there. If you're not active, if you're not, as you talked about, you know, we're now a global community, you know, especially on LinkedIn, uh, but you have to work it right. You can't just kind of sit on your hands and expect things to come to you without any action. Mm -hmm. Great. So, wow, this has been a tremendous conversation. I always love these conversations because we're able to, you know, hopefully dig a little bit deeper into who you are as an individual. You know, people on your LinkedIn will hopefully see, um, you know, a, a bigger side of you, so to speak, as far as, you know, uh, where you came from. Uh, you shared some wonderful stories and tips with us. So thank you for all your time today. I know it's precious. Uh, but before I let you go, just a couple of quick questions. First of all, can you quickly share the story of your name? Because I did ask you that question and I thought it was really special. <laughs> if you could, I'm sure other people are wondering, it's a very unique name. It is. And I get asked about that often. My name Royce came from my father, whose name was Roy. And he wanted his name in his child's name. And he was also hoping for a boy. And Royce is a boy's name. And so he had that picked out because it met his two criteria. And when I popped out a girl, 
he did not change his mind. So I have lived with that name my entire life, and that is my given name. A lot of people will ask, is that your author's name, or is that, you know, something you created for yourself? No, it's my given name. And as I told you when we first spoke, I love it. I think it's it, it has a very um, wonderful appeal to it, uh, an uplifting name and um, high class uh, as I thank you. That's what I think of. So thanks for sharing that story. If you were to pull out your cell phone right now and call the 20 year old Royce, what advice would you give her? Be humble and follow opportunity. You know, I went to Chicago, I went to college in Chicago. So I had a lot of opportunity to be employed and learn from major corporations. And I never did take that opportunity. And looking back now, I wish I would have. Fantastic. And the last question, Royce, which I ask every guest, at the end of the day, when all you have a lot of life to live, but when your journey here is done on this earth, what do you want your legacy to be? What mark do you want to leave? Uh, that's an excellent question, Roger. You know, I want to leave a legacy first for my children to let them know that they can overcome any of those limiting beliefs that I unintentionally put in them as they were being raised or, um, you know, the circumstances that they've had in their lives that they can overcome those and i leave that legacy by modeling that behavior for them the second legacy i would like to leave is i am in the midst of a fun project right now i moved to a small mountain community in colorado and thought that there was no startup um, community here and there's a large startup community here but without an complete ecosystem. So I'm working with a board of directors right now to create that. And we have some state level training and partners helping us do that. And it is just an incredible project where we can leave a lasting legacy for this community. And it's not really about me or your startup coach or my clients, but it's a community treasure that they will have access to for years after I'm gone. Wow, what a worthwhile cause. That's amazing. And thank you for sharing that. Thank you for sharing both legacies. Royce Gomez King, you are a class act. Welcome to the American Real Family. Thank you so much for your time. And I can't wait to share this with our audience. Thank you, Roger. Appreciate you having me. Thanks for tuning into American Real. Be sure to visit our website, AmericanReal.tv, or search for us on iTunes or YouTube for past episodes. While you're there, please rate us or leave us a review, as that helps others find our show. I am truly grateful and appreciate all of your support. If you'd like to be part of our inner circle or want one-on-one -on -one coaching, check out the American Real Learning Academy, where we have self-help groups and courses so you can build the best you. We also have a new Facebook group where you can connect with high achievers from around the world. If you want to go even further, maybe you're determined to write your own book or launch your own podcast, contact me today to see if we could help. You can reach me through Instagram or Facebook or 
email me directly at roger at americanreal.tv. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you next week.